It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's going on today, Reggie? Hey, you know, we were both talking before this. Got a little bit of a heavy heart after what happened yesterday. But you know what? We're going to just try to, you know, do the best we can, talk some sports and you know, just continue to try to heal, man. Yeah, no easy transition for sure after that. But like you said, we'll do our best here today. We're breaking down the Vikings competition, the NFC North today. We're talking a little Twins baseball as they win their sixth in a row. Plus, later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, if you enjoy Superior Sports Talk, you'll also enjoy our other daily show with former NFL receiver Ron Johnson. Ron offers the unique view of an athlete-turned-broadcaster and brings you high-profile guests like Braylon Edwards, Adam Thielen, and Robert Smith. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or your favorite podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. All right, well, let's talk about those twins, shall we? Twins win their sixth in a row last night with a 2-0 win versus the Tigers. Sonny Gray goes seven flawless innings with a season-high 10 strikeouts pushes his ERA down to nearly 2.5, and the Twins get just enough from their bats. Gio Urshela goes one for three with an RBI, and Carlos Correa knocked in. Luis Arise with a double as well. Six in a row for the Twins, who continue to win with quality starting pitching. Reggie, I thought my TV was broke in the seventh inning when I saw Sonny <laughs> Gray still on the mound. So what's going on here? Rocco must listen to the show because – after we got on him all week for being too aggressive with the starting pitchers, pulling them after just three, four, five innings consistently, he lets Gray go seven innings as he should have. Now, Sonny made it easy for Rocco last night. No earned runs, 10 Ks. But could this be the start of let his starters eat up more innings and, and your overall just quick takeaways from last night's 2-0 victory? You know, um, I, I think that – that was probably one of the more impressive wins of mm-hmm. this season for them. Uh, just because, like, you look at the pitching, and it wasn't just the starter. It was it was Sonny Gray, for sure. But it also was the bullpen, you know? No runs given up. You know, they, they did just enough with the bats. Byron Buxton... Uh, makes the sensational grab in the outfield, diving catch. You know, you, I, I said last night, you heard of Air Jordan? This was Air Byron, baby. <laughs> I love it. Goes through, <laughs> goes through, <laughs> makes the catch, doesn't get hurt. Wonderful, wonderful. And then, you know, they, they go ahead and just win 2 nothing. And it was funny because, you know, yesterday we talked about how Rocco was talking about how they just find ways to win games. And, you know, over the last week or so, they've been scoring like eight runs a game. Like, that's ridiculous, like a ridiculous pace. And that's something that you don't expect them to just continue to keep up, especially as the competition gets better. But, you know, they go up against the Tigers. 
you know, it's it's hard to continue to beat these same teams because you know they are professionals too. But then you go and you go into this game and you find a different kind of way to win a game. And so I think that is what's most impressive. They found a, a different kind of way to to win this game, and that's a testament to what Rocco was talking about this week. Anyway, is that's what they're doing. That's how they play, and that spells well. Like I said before, usually that means that they're a pretty good ball club. It remains to be seen, but that definitely gives you a lot of confidence if you're a Twins fan. Yeah, no doubt. I can't in good conscience come on here and not talk about Luis Arise. Dude is a freak right now. Quietly becoming the Twins' best quality hitter. Guy goes two for four last night. Now bat Nagati, 354, good enough for top four in the bigs. But just another day at the office for him right now while he picks up the slack for Byron Buxton, who's turned a, a little chilly. We'll, we'll put it that way, at the plate anyways. Muy going frio. Four again last night. Just how good has Luis Arise been and how critical his bat has been while Byron Buxton's on a little icy tear here and then Carlos Correa starting to get his feet underneath him once again after coming back from that injury last week. It's encouraging because you know coming into the season you were thinking about you know some of the bigger name guys that they have Mm. and you know especially when Buxton is starting the season on the tear like he was like you're like okay like all right we know who the guys are going to be but you know Correa did you know help the effort yesterday but you think about it and you're just like well if you're not going to get the type of production that you are expecting from a Buxton you know he's he's healthy enough to be out there but he's not necessarily contributing in the way that you want him to but it's like hmm, good to have him out there you know what I mean and so of course yeah and so you you take the good with the bad, I guess, with that. But it's so great. It's such a luxury to have a guy like Luis Arise just continuing to do his thing in the lineup day in and day out. When the team needs a hit, when the team needs a clutch bat, he's that clutch bat. And that's very encouraging because you're just like, you know what? Top to bottom on this lineup, you just never know. Everybody has their day. It seems like Luis Arise has his day almost every day. And so it's exciting when you when you think about it from a Twins fan perspective because you're just like, man, this is the type of team that we are are expecting. This is the type of team that we want to see day in and day out from from the bats, from the pitching. I mean, can't say enough about what Sonny Gray did last mm-hmm. night. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just really they they really got it going right now. Yeah, it's going to be exciting when the one, two, three, Buxton, Arise, and Correa can just all get it going at the same time. I don't know if it's a week from now, a month from now, in the thick of the summer, but when that time comes, Twins fans are going to be awfully excited for sure. All right, new segment coming to you live right now called the Twins Take of the Day. Mm. Reggie, I need one semi-spicy to B-dubs blazing take from you on the Twins Reggie, give me one prediction or take for our Twins take of the day. You know, I'm so encouraged by what Sonny Gray did mm-hmm. last night. I'm going to say this. He's going to win at least 15 games this Ooh. season. Ooh. Spicy. At least 15. If he stays healthy. Wow. 
He's yeah. going to win at least 15 games this season. Look, Sonny Gray is a guy that he has, like, ace potential. He has yeah, he been does. an opening day starter. You know, when I was covering the Reds a few seasons ago, you know, Luis Castillo, he's a dude. I mean, he has great stuff. And everybody expected that he was going to get the ball on opening day because he did the year before. Nah, David Bell gave it to Sonny Gray. And Sonny showed why. I mean, he pitched very well in that COVID season in 2020. And he has the potential to do what he did last night all the time. It's just a matter of, you know, when he got injured, you know, to start the season, you're just like, dang, man, that's not what you want to see. But, like, when you when you look at it, like, he's pitched in the American League before, you know, when he was a Yankee. He's he's been there, done that. And if you look at the the type of pitcher that he has been, quality guy is no is no secret why he went seven innings last night. The dude is a horse. Like that's what you expect from him. An innings eater. He's gonna keep the ball down, keep the hits low. You know, if he struggles, if he gets into any type of trouble, he usually finds a way to get out of it. And that spells well for the Twins. And you think about it, if if Sonny Gray has 15 wins this season, the Twins are in really good shape. It almost seems like in certain areas and aspects of his pitching game, he's actually still getting better, which is really oh, yeah. encouraging to see. My Twins take of the day is this. A little bit more Debbie Downer attitude for me coming today. The Twins are a good ball club. They are, but they're not a great one yet. And time will prove that because good ball clubs beat bad teams. They beat average teams. That's exactly what the Twins have been doing. But they will always struggle against those teams that are in the upper tier, just like what we saw against the Astros, what, 10, 14 days ago. They've got Mm -hmm. the talent offensively to keep pace from game to game when they're on. But with so many injuries in the pitching rotation and questions still remain with their relievers, I just see this team coming back down to earth in two weeks when they finally face off against teams like the Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays. Now, I'll take the dub for now during this soft spot in the schedule all day because you're going to need to rack them up while you can. Tigers tonight, then four versus the Royals coming up, four versus the Tigers again. But until these bats start to heat back up, and I know every, what, third, fourth day, they go off for double digits. But when you're consistently seeing those bats heat back up and you're seeing these starting pitchers chew up more innings, taking the pressure off of our middle relievers, I think up until then, the Twins may struggle versus those better teams, versus the more quality ball clubs in the MLB, until they can prove to me that, you know, that first litmus test that they failed versus the Astros was just a fluke. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at right now, Reggie. And by the way, Sonny Gray, he's never won 15 games in a season. I'm looking at the stats. <sighs> What's the most? He won 12, 14. He? he won 14 in his second season in the MLB with the mm-hmm. athletics. And then he followed that up with a 14 and 7 year the year mm-hmm. after. But, at, you know, after that, he's won 10, he's won 11. When he was uh, his first season with the Reds, he won 11. His last season with the Yankees, he won 11. But he hasn't gotten close to that since. So that would be a really big deal for him if he were able to get to 15 this year. The Twins take the field versus the Tigers looking for the sweep and their seventh victory in a row tonight. We've got ourselves a day game. First pitch, 12-10, Bailey Ober taking the mound. Coming up, we're talking NFC North and what the Vikings' biggest competition for the division is going to look like this year, plus later 
I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. But first, do you want instant post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game, our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders like Kevin Gore for the Wild and Brandon Warren for the Twins. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Okay, we all know who the cream of the crop is in the NFC North. No one's going to argue it's the Green Bay Packers. It's been the Green Bay Packers for the last decade, Reggie. I know you haven't been around here in Minnesota forever, but it's always going into the season. It's who can take down the Packers, if anybody, as long as Aaron Rodgers is around. But with the crazy offseason, the Packers, I mean, they got plenty of new faces in the mix, along with the Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears, both respectively got a little bit better this offseason. Let's start here, Reggie. When looking at the landscape of this division now, as we sit here today, the offseason's gone, the draft dust has settled. At first glance, where do you think the Vikings fit inside the NFC North? I think if the Packers are 1A, the Vikings are 1B. I think they're right up there. You know, you look at some of the moves that they made, you know, everybody's talking about how they, you know, quote unquote, are running it back. But it's like running what back? Because you don't want to see them do what they did last year. Um, but you, you talk about the, the defensive pieces that they added, you know, how they're going to get Daniil Hunter back. And, you know, they they got Lewis Seen in the draft, Andrew Booth Jr., if he can get healthy. You think about the type of corner that he can be. New defense getting installed with Ed Donatel, Mike Pettin. And I think it's going to be scary hours seeing Daniil Hunter on one side and Zadarius Smith on the other side rushing the passer, free, you know, free, you know, standing up and knowing that those guys are coming off the edge. And you got horrible Harry. And Dalvin Tomlinson, those big dudes just kind of mm-hmm. wreaking havoc in the in the inside on the defense. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be something to to see. That's gonna be something, especially week one when they're coming after the Packers. Like I'm expecting them to get after it. Those guys look really good yesterday when I was at OTAs, and I know it's just OTAs, and there's not much you can really glean too much from. You know, just glorified, like, it's almost like glorified flag football or something like that. But, like, the the team looked good. Like, Daniil looks healthy and hungry. And uh, so does Darius Smith. He looks healthy, hungry, and motivated. And I'm just, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what this team does. And look at what I just mentioned. I didn't say anything about the offense yet. And that's what most people are looking at with Kevin O'Connell coming in. You know, I think what's cool is, you know, we were talking to Kirk Cousins yesterday and he was talking about having to learn the offense. You forget or you may forget that, like, Cousins was in Kevin O'Connell's offense already before when he was in Washington. Mm. Sean McVay was his offensive coordinator. You know, Kevin O'Connell was his QB coach. Like, this is the same offense. But he talked about how it just kind of evolved how it it it's a different offense because you know it's kind of been put in the put in the washer and put in the dryer a little bit you know it's been blended up in the blender a little bit and and you know some of the terminology is different 
you know, the concepts are kind of, you know, the same, but it's it's evolved a little bit. He talked about how now he has to get back to flashcards like he's back in grade school mm -hmm. and, and he's learning the offense. I think this is good for him because, you know, the last few years have kind of been chalk, kind of been status quo from him. And now this presents him with the challenge, new coaching staff. He's playing to continue to be impressed, you know, to impress them and earn some more money, you know, because they only really committed to him for like another year. And so now he's got to show and prove like, hey, look at me like I'm I'm good here. Like we, we can win together. And so I think with the motivation from Kirk in the offense and, you know, the new scheme and how Kevin O'Connell is going to put them in a position to to really take advantage and some of the pieces that have been added on defense, I think that they are going to be right up there with the Packers. I don't know what to expect from the Bears. And, you know, the Lions are going to be improved, but they still have Jared Goff as quarterback. Dan Orlovsky had the dude at number 30 or something like that in the league. Or was it Chris Sims had him at number 30 in the in the league as far as, like, quarterback Not bad. Uh, Not bad. standings? Right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's only two worse than him. And so right. I think I think it's going to be interesting. I don't you know, I think the, the Lions are definitely going to be more competitive. And shoot, they were already competitive with the Vikings last year, almost beat them once and then did beat them in Detroit for their first win of the season. So that was embarrassing enough. But I, I think, you know, the Bears are going to be improved. The Lions are going to be much improved. The Packers are going to be solid. But then you look at how they don't necessarily have their receiving core figured out. And, you know, Rodgers is not at OTAs right now. So, you know, he's not really getting that time in with the new guys that he's going to be throwing the ball to. So you don't really know what to expect from that offense. Maybe they could be a run-heavy offense with Dylan and Jones. You just – you don't know. But I think – that gives you confidence as a Vikings fan that they are going to be competing for that top spot in that division next season. Yeah, I got a I got a spicy take coming up for the uh -oh. Bears here in a few minutes. The Lions, I go ebbs and flows with the Lions, man. After what they did to the Vikes last year, we almost got swept by the Lions for the first time in what? I don't know, 15 years, man. What Dan Campbell has done inside that locker room and to those guys, man, it, it, it scares me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And then I start to get He's a little worried. Oh, the kneecaps off. Got, had the number two overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson. They trade with us and go get just a firework in Jamison Williams. And then I start to calm myself down and I look at the stats from last year, nearly bottom five in defense in nearly every category and and mm -hmm. is is a guy like Aiden Hutchinson enough I mean it's going to help a lot him and Josh Pascal from Kentucky their third round pick that's going to help a lot I mean it all starts in the trenches but is that enough to really elevate that defense into the realm of you know being competitive week in and week out keeping your offense in games forcing more three and outs. I really love what Dan Campbell's doing in Detroit. I thought they overachieved last year. They scared mm -hmm. the heck out of a lot of Vikings fans. Again, almost beating them two <laughs> times in a row. But I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on Detroit. I still think Detroit is just Detroit. And they'll end up middle of the pack somewhere. The Packers, though, you know, you talked a lot about the Vikings offense. 
Let's think about the Packers offense for a second, because every year we just go in just blindly assuming Aaron Rodgers is going to be like, you know, we think of terms in fantasy football now. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a top five fantasy quarterback. He's going to throw for 5,000 yards and, and 50 touchdowns. Well, if you look at the last few years and what the Packers have done, and especially this offseason, they get rid of Devontae Adams, maybe the best mm -hmm. receiver in the league. Yeah. They used their first two draft picks on defense, Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, defensive tackle and a linebacker, respectively. They add a rookie to basically fill the shoes of Devontae Adams and Christian Watson from a smaller school, North Dakota State. How long is all that going to take to mm -hmm. learn and groom him and develop and progress him to where Aaron Rodgers needs him to be? My point here is it seems like as Rodgers is – getting a little long in the tooth, get a little bit older, only a couple years left, we assume, that the Packers have taken more of a, a defensive identity. Maybe start to run the football a little bit more, play good defense, and let's take some pressure off Aaron Rodgers here a little bit and, and understand that he's not the guy we just assume he still is from 10 years ago that mm -hmm. scrambles on third and 12 and, and gets a first down. Now, he's still Aaron Rodgers. He's still dangerous, won the MVP last year for a reason. But I think it's clear that the Packers are trying to change their identity a little bit yep. and, and try to become a much more hard-nosed defensive first football team we've assumed the last 10 years and be this high-powered offensive firework show and keeping up with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Rams of the NFL. That's just not what they're trying to do. Again, two first-round picks on defense. They just signed Jair Alexander to be the number one paid cornerback in the league. Mm -hmm. And then they got Rashawn Gary, who we'll get to in segment three, who's quietly become one of the better picks of the 2019 class. He started a blow up last year as well. So it's going to be interesting to see just the identity change there a little bit from the Packers going from what we've always seen with Rodgers to maybe a little bit more defensive focused and then run the football with those two guys that you just mentioned, Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon. That could be their bread and butter and what we see a lot from this year. All right, we did a uh, twins take of the day. Let's do just one hot take from the NFC North. Give me just one hot take from the NFC North could be a prediction, could be a specific player, just something that kind of sticks out to you. Uh, maybe not a lot of fans are thinking about. All right, I I'll give you a couple. How about that? Ooh, bonus. How about that? Okay. Stu Gatz. How about that? How about that? No, so Stu Gatz. <laughs> Hold on, look. Careful over there, Luke. Highlights. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I think. All right, number one, I think. The Vikings are going to win the division. Oh, how about that? And then not only are they going to win the division, I think Justin Jefferson is going to lead the league in receiving. Wow. This is fun. This just got fun. I, I see the I see those things happening. You asked me for this hot take. OK, so look, y'all listening. Don't don't be holding me to that. He asked mm -hmm. me. I'm just telling him what he asked me. OK, because it is Reggie Wilson. Is, hey, hey, Twitter. hey. Hey, but, you know, as we sit here, it is May 25th, 2022. The games don't start until September. And right now, you know, after, you know, being at OTAs and, and looking at the juice that this team has, that's my that's my hot take, baby. That's, that's what we're going to go with. Now, ask me again tomorrow. I may tell you something different because that's no, how hot takes roll. I really love that. Obviously, J.J. in this offense, man, everyone's saying, look at what Cooper Cup did. 
Cooper Cup became the triple crown winner for the Rams. Most receiving yards, touchdowns, receptions. Unbelievable. Broke so many records. Why can't J.J. do that? I mean, if you were mm-hmm. drafting a team today and I said, okay, you can have Cooper Cup or J.J., I think 9 out of 10 people are going to take J.J. No disrespect to Cooper Cup, maybe the right. best route runner in the league, but J.J. just gives you that explosiveness and home run threat every time he touches the ball. So yep. when you see him in this new offense, Kevin O'Connell's offense, what he did with Cooper Cup, I mean, yeah, it's a hot take for sure, but I mean, I, I, I'm going to have a hard time believing that J.J.'s not in, if healthy, plays to the full slate, not in the top five in multiple receiving categories when mm-hmm. it's all said and done. My spicy take, I think the Chicago Bears are picking in the top five next year, if not even the top three. I'm looking at, Reggie, I'm looking at this roster. Are you telling me you got rid of Allen Robinson and your big prize free agent acquisition that you, we're going to go get a big prize free, we're going to go help out Justin Fields here, develop from year one to year two, it's so important to get him weapon, is Byron Pringle? Like, no disrespect. Once you pop, the fun don't stop, man. Man, he's got a lot of high expectations for sure with Justin Fields, and I just feel like they're doing him a disservice here. You use two first-round picks, trade up and go get him. And the talent you've put around him is just so weak, man. Come on. Cole Komet, all right, I like it. Solid tight end, grooming, young, developing. This offensive line, man, the surface fan couldn't name one of these offensive linemen starting for the Chicago Bears. That's a recipe for disaster. He was pressured top three or top five most in the NFL last year. That's a recipe for disaster for a young, developing quarterback. Byron Bringle, St. Brown, and Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney's got the goods. But I don't know if he's going to be a guy that, you know, can can register 140, 150 targets, stay healthy for a full slate and be around for Justin Fields. David Montgomery, solid defense. Yeah, Chicago's always known for defense. They should have a top 15, top 12 defense. But I mean, you used all your assets on Justin Fields. You had no early draft picks. They should have had the seventh overall draft pick. That would have been a blue chip player. They gave that away for Fields. They settled on Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker from Penn State, the safety. So they had some good pieces, but I'm looking at this roster top to bottom, man. I think it's got to be one of the five worst rosters in the league. So you look at what the Vikings have done, the Packers are going to continue to do, and even the Lions with Dan Campbell getting better. They may go 0-6. I mean, they may struggle to get one win in this division alone. We'll see how it all shakes out. That's my spicy take, though. Chicago Bears picking top five next year. Yeah, go ahead. And you know what's interesting about that is it kind of lets you see just how tough of a job that was when the GM came in. That's a great point. You know, like like that, you're talking about – this is a three, four-year job here, man. This yeah, is not like, a, just a worst to first here, you know, overnight. Well, I got no draft picks either. You're killing got a, me. Yeah, got a new head coach, got a new GM, and he took that job, you know, seemingly. We still don't know how it all played out, but took that yep. job seemingly over the Vikings job. Mm-hmm. And that was what he wanted. That's what he hitched his wagon to. And so, like – when you look at it, when you look at the type of moves that were made, like they could have tried to re-sign Allen Robinson to, you know, keep uh, a great receiver with Justin Fields, but they didn't do that, and they didn't really draft guys that you know were were come in day one, make an impact guys with Justin Fields, 
And what's going to be tough is, like, you know, the run game should be solid. You know, got Montgomery. And and you hope that, you know, the run game is going to just kind of help stabilize the, the offense. But, like, when you look at it and, and you don't necessarily have all those, like, top flight weapons, you know, in a division where you're you got – you know, you got guys like St. Brown and, and Jamison Williams, J.J. Thielen, um, K.J. Osborne. Mm-hmm. And, you know, y- you got, I guess, Randall Cobb and, you know, whoever the Sammy heck Watkins. Aaron Rodgers yeah, is going to be. Yeah, Sammy Watkins, you, you don't know what he's going to be, if he can stay healthy. You know, you, you got people all around that division that are going to be making plays for their offense. And you look at them, and and nobody on that offense really scares you, I guess, other than Fields with what he can do. But what is kind of tough is when you have a young quarterback, usually you're trying to make things easier for him. And what I can kind of see happening is Justin Fields really trying to do too much because he doesn't have enough help. And I think that, you know, it's tough to call it an indictment on the Bears. I think the Bears' uh, front office – did the best that they could considering the the circumstances that they kind of like inherited. But this, this is going to be a little bit of a a struggle year trying to like get things on track. And maybe you, you know, if you're looking at the bears from a a long-term view, maybe next season, not this upcoming season, but the season after that is when they finally get some weapons for fields. And when they finally do some things to get them over the top, but this is not going to be a team that's going to be really expected to compete this season. I mean, coaching matters, the schedule. There's so many variables. Ultimately, though, it comes down to your talent. And I'm just looking, again, just pull up the roster and just look at, you know, five other random rosters. It's got to be one of the worst in the league. It's unbelievable. They're starting five offensive linemen. I don't know if they would be starting on any other team. Cody Whitehair is legit. He's a great interior left guard. But besides that, they used a second-round pick from Oklahoma State on Tevin Jenkins last year. He was up and down. To give you an idea, they have Dakota Dozier, basically the Vikings' backup who started from time to time. He struggled as well when he did play and if they're relying on names like that I just feel bad for Justin Fields because he's not being put in a position to succeed they're not setting him up for success by any other means all right the time has come my favorite segments here I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports Reggie ready to roll let's do it First one, ESPN's newest article projects 10 big contracts that could be shelled out to the 2019 class and included Green Bay Packers front seven stud Rashawn Gary, who they have projected to sign something close to a five-year $130 million deal, averaging close to 25 mil per. After just making Jair Alexander the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL, what does it mean for the Packers when it comes to having one of the better young defensive cores in football remember they just used two first round picks on defense as well in that front seven it means that it is going to be a hellacious affair when you strap them up to play them especially for the vikings two times next season like they they clearly felt away when they saw what the 49ers did to them in the playoffs last season and they're just like you know what we got Aaron Rodgers so we're always going to have a chance on offense but let's get this defense shored up you know you you would think that you know getting rid of a guy like Zadarius Smith would not be productive to what they're trying to do 
But then you talk about, you know, Gary, and then you talk about them adding two pieces like that in in Quay and Devontae and and in the in the uh draft and you're just like, you know, uh maybe maybe this team is gonna just be a defensive team, like they're not going to be like the uh, a six three type of a a, a defense where you're, right, you know, right. it's just on the frozen tundra yeah. and they're, you know, like it's not going to be that type of of an affair. But like that's going to be a unit that whenever you walk into Lambeau and whenever you walk into the stadium to play them, you're just like, dang man, this is going to be a long game, like. You you're gonna see some of these coordinators firing up cigarettes on the sideline before games, just trying to figure Smoking out. Heaters. Yeah, it's just, it's just like you know, um, who Lord, I'm stressed. Like you know, it's gonna be one of those type of situations. But you know, more power to them, man. You know, they yeah. they tried they tried a lot of different things since Matt Lafleur has been there, and now they're just like you know, we're gonna go all in on defense really get after these teams and see what happens. And so, you know, if those two first-round picks work out like they hope they do and that defense really comes to to be the type of defensive unit that they're expecting, like you're looking at a potential top-five defense in the league, and that is scary. Yeah, three first-round picks in their secondary alone. Jair maybe one of the best up-and-coming corners in the NFL, no arguing that. Darnell Savage and Eric Stokes from last year as well. Adrian mm-hmm. Amos is no joke. He was a top 50 pick. And Rasul Douglas, he had five interceptions. He led the team coming in as a free agent. Rashawn Gary, up-and-coming stud. That's another first-rounder. Two more first-rounders this year. Kenny Clark, Preston Smith was a great free agent acquisition. And Devontae Campbell in the middle just ties everything together. Top to bottom, I don't know about their depth. We'll get into that another day. But top to bottom, man. These starting 11 guys on defense scary hours. are scary. And, and you can't argue it because they use the – you get into it what you put out. You get out of – what is it? You get out of it what you put into it. There you go. Look at look at how much early draft picks they put into that defense, and clearly they're starting to get something out of it. All right, next one up, what does it mean? The Dallas Mavericks finally got one last night at home and stayed in the hunt with a 119-109 win versus the Warriors – what does it mean for the Mavericks' chances at rallying back and making a push for the series after being down three games to one? Do they have a chance to push this thing to seven games after what you saw last night, Reggie? No chance. No, no chance. chance. Toast. You know what was interesting about that last night is with all that they did, they still almost let the Warriors come back in the fourth quarter. And they had the Warriors bench hooping. Like, like that bench was hooping last night in the fourth quarter to it was almost like uh do we put the starters back in do we put Steph and Clay and Draymond back in and see if they can maybe you know get this thing to five get this thing three two maybe overtake the map that would have been backbreaking if somehow they came back from that and it's just interesting because like the Mavs really didn't do anything differently last night than they've done the first three games the shots were just falling and you you want to believe that maybe they can keep that up because you saw what they did against the Suns. But, like, this Warriors team is not the same Warriors team that was blowing leads like that. Like, I just don't see them doing it. I, I think this next game they're going to go ahead and put it away, put Dallas out of their misery, 
Let them go back and fix their arena because what the heck was that? Like, Mark Cuban, you were one of the richest people in, in the world. and It's you Umbrella Day. We're um, handing out yeah. 10,000 10, fans get umbrellas today. Yeah, like, you, what, what are you doing? You, you, got the, you got the people on Twitter, you know, walking around like, try Flex Seal. And they're, you know, using the dude with the, with the Flex Seal <laughs> slapping it on the arena. Yeah, like, like, what are we doing? Why are you leaking like this? Like, it should not be raining in your building, sir. Mm. That's another point for another day. But yeah, yeah. I think, you know, they were making it rain on the court as well. And we hadn't seen that much this series. Like, Reggie Bullock, you know, like, his hair was the coolest thing about him in game three because, like, the dude was 0 for 10 from the field. Like, what are we doing? And then all of a sudden you're seeing this team and all their shots are falling. Just killing them. Spencer Dinwiddie, step back, splash from three. And I don't know if that is necessarily sustainable. I don't know if you really look at those guys and you expect them to to do that game in and game out. And I don't know that you expect them to come into game five and do that, especially, you know, in the Warriors' house. I think the series is is toast. Game five, send them home, send them to Cancun, let Luca, you know, sip some cervezas, you know, on the beach or wherever he wants to go. And I think, you know, Steph, Clay, pool party, those guys are going to, you know, put them out of their misery in game five. But that was cute, though. That was good. You know, you don't, you never want to get swept in a series, especially in the Western Conference Finals and, and seeing what you did to get there. And they're not going to get swept, so that's great for them. But at the end of the day, nah, I just – this Warriors team is just too strong. Yeah, that's what it is. I don't see them happening. Not against the Warriors. If it was another team, maybe, but not against the Warriors. Not the way they're playing right now. I just can't see it. I mean, you would need a Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson type of performance from Luka for the next three straight games. Not saying he can't do it. I mean, dude's all world. I mean, he is one of the funnest players to watch in the NBA. But against this Warriors team, man, I just don't see it happening. Uh, Mm -hmm. Miami Heat and Boston Celtics. Huge pivotal game five tonight. That series is all tied up. Two games apiece, rest assured. Reggie and I are going to be back here tomorrow to break it all down. All right, Reggie, survive the gauntlet once again. We're back here tomorrow breaking down more Twins, Vikings, NBA and NHL playoffs, and plenty more. Remember to subscribe, rate, review on our YouTube channel, and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at ReggieWilsonTV and on CARE 11 every night. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.